Welcome to Trusting the Truth with Samuel Tolley, where we view the world through the lens of Jesus Christ. We do not view Jesus Christ through the lens of the world. How are you doing? This is Samuel Tolley, Trusting the Truth, where we view the world through the lens of Jesus Christ. We do not view Jesus Christ through the lens of the world. Uh, last week, I did the Bible versus climate change, part one. For those of you that haven't watched that one, let me give you a little history on what was going on. Because this is going to be um, climate change, part two, electric vehicles. Subtitle is trade-offs, traps, and trauma. But back on August the 13th, there was a Facebook post by a friend. And the post said this, to all my friends, I warned of global warming who called it a hoax and said I was crazy and misled. Let me say this again and louder for those in the back. Global warming is real. And then he put this in capital letters and quotation mark for emphasis. Can you hear me now? So as I was reading this post, I started reading the comments. The first comment said, most definitely never doubted the realness. The second comment said, you're right. We have to pray without ceasing. God will take care of us. Excuse me. God will take care of his own no matter what comes along. Third comment, Cuzzo intelligence is folly to the ignorant. And he responded to the Cuzzo by saying, say it louder for those in the back. The next comment said, have to pray and keep faith. It is summer time. Man, shake all these conspiracy theories and prove God is way bigger than all this. I'm not really sure where that person stood on the situation. But I chimed in. And I said, when I get back from the Bahamas, I will give what I believe to be a biblical and historical response to global warming. In my podcast, I will make it a point to invite all of you to examine my response. So the writer of this post said, looking so very much forward to it. And I acknowledged his comment. Well, last week I wrote it and I tagged everyone that I could. And so far, all I've heard is crickets. I even went so far as to make another uh, effort to speak to the writer of the post. You know, it's been a week, uh, come tomorrow, and I haven't heard anything yet, and I'm getting ready to bring out part two. I still haven't heard anything. So what I did, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go over last week. I advise you to take a look at it if you want to see what I had to say. But I referenced 
the whole situation, the fear of climate change. And I started from what I be, believe to be the beginning. I said, before climate change, it was the fear of global warming. Before global warming, it was the fear of the new ice age. Before the new ice age, it was the fear of overpopulation. Uh, before overpopulation, it was the, the, the Malthusian doctrine. And before the Malthusian doctrine was disobedience, which birthed non-reverential fear. Now, the Malthusian doctrine, just to let you know real quick, is about this guy uh, named uh, Thomas Malthus. And, and his basic idea was this, that, you know, it was more of a Darwinian idea, actually. Only the strong survive. The strongest survive. I mean, if you have weak population, if you have poor people, uh, weak people, indigent people, of the lower class, special efforts should not be made to keep them alive. Let them live in filth. Let them just get by best they can and let them die off. So the strong survive and take control of everything and use the resources. Because if the population gets too big, too many resources is going to be consumed and there won't be enough for everybody. Well, <clears throat> Like I said before, him was um, non-reverential fear. And the non-reverential fear started in the Bible when Adam sinned. You know, when God came to the garden after Adam sinned and he looked for Adam and said, where are you? And he said, I was afraid, so I hid myself. That's non-reverential fear. Reverential fear is trusting in what the Lord said. And what the Lord said was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And going through the history that I did prove, uh, hopefully, in the documentation I presented and the biblical references, that the more people we had, the more abundance we had. There was never a problem with overpopulation. There was never a problem with enough resources. Man's folly is exactly what it is, and God's provision has always been there for those who believe and trust in God. So that's part one. And I advise you to take a look at part one. And I advise those folks that agreed with the writer of the column, and especially the writer of the column, to stand up to what he said he was going to do and review it and give me a rebuttal. And if I'm wrong, show me where I'm wrong, because the last thing I want to do is be wrong. I do not want to present information that is not accurate. But if my information is accurate, I would hope fear and pride doesn't stop people from doing what they should do. At any rate, part two. Now, I showed plenty of examples in part one of the hysteria, the fear that man has been placed upon him, that we've been placed upon him, us, uh, because of this climate change, global warming, all this nonsense. And now they're saying, again, that we only have 12 years to survive. When I presented, actually last week, 32 examples of false global warming predictions. But I want to show you a short clip of about, oh, a little bit more than five minutes about more 
fear and stupidity based on global warming before we get on into the electric cars. So take a look at this. You have stolen my dreams uh, and my child. Excuse me. I want to start from the beginning from her. <laughs> She's bad enough by herself, but. This environmental catastrophe bearing down on us. I keep hearing that we're killing the earth. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood. But wait, I've been a consumer reporter for years. I've covered so many scares. Plague, famine, and perpetual war will kill us. We're going to run out of oil. Nuclear power will give us cancer. Killer bees swarm ever closer. Bird flu, flesh-eating bacteria. The list of terrible things that we're going to get us is long. And yet we're living longer than ever. None of those scares turned out to be as frightening as the warnings. But I'm told global warming is different. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. The alarmists have evidence that... Let me stop this for a second. I mean, the idea that grown folks all over the world are supposed to get excited because some young, immature teenager is saying, how dare you? That we're supposed to look to her as a representation of the intellect needed to consider if the Bible is true and what's going on in the climate. I mean, this is, that in and of itself is ridiculous. It's looking for people that use emotions instead of knowledge. And that's a, one of the big problems we have in society today. We have many people that are thinking with their emotions instead of their brains. It's their fears. Temperature is rising. The UN predicts that it'll rise another two to five degrees. What do we do in the land we live on is under attack. But does that justify the fear? Climate change is not a lie, so please don't let our planet die. Does it justify this claim? We have 12 years to act. We have 12 years. We have 12 years before the effects are irreversible. Really? 12 years? It's warmed up around one degree Celsius since 1900, and life expectancy doubled the industrialized democracies, and, and yet that temperature ticks up another half a degree, and the entire system crashes. That's the most absurd belief. I recently moderated this debate on climate change at the Heartland Institute. Well, not a debate, because the alarmists who were invited didn't show. Heartland invited many. Please come over here and sit next to that place and let's have a discussion. There are a lot more people want to hear what you have to say. You know, that's what I feel about this person that wrote this column or this post. I mean, I'm getting all this, yeah, I mean, this, that, and the other, and tell the people in the back. And then when you, <laughs> when you present your position, you can't find them. I mean, it's like, all we want to do is scare the heck out of, you know, scare the heaven out of people and, and then just let them live any kind of way they want in fear instead of knowledge and truth. Armas never agreed to debate. We'd love to offer you the airtime. We will give it to you. I'll give you a special phone number that goes to this phone. I invited Al Gore on my show often, but he would never come. In order to solve the climate crisis. He makes a lot of speeches, but won't respond to people who disagree. It's too bad that the alarmists won't debate because so much of what they say deserves debate. 
The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. 12 years. Well, and in 12 years, it'll be 12 more years. David LeGates is a professor of climatology at the University of Delaware. Pat Michaels is former president of the American Association of State Climatologists. Willie Soon is an astrophysicist. It's all about harm waving, it's about emotion, about sending out kids in protest. We have nothing to do with the science. This group pointed out that even if the planet warms by five degrees, humans can adjust. People in Holland did years ago. They said, we're going to adapt to the fact that we're a low-lying country and we're going to build these dikes and we're going to build these pumps. Are you telling me that the people in Miami are so dumb that they're just going to sit there and drown? You acknowledge that the water is rising. Yes, water has been rising for approximately 20,000 years and probably will continue. But we can adapt, like Holland has, except... The alarmists say hurricanes and other storms are getting worse. It's getting stronger and stronger. The winds are getting harder and harder. No, they aren't. You can take a look at all the hurricanes around the planet. We can see them since 1970 because we got global satellite coverage. Right. And we can measure their power. And we can add up their power. And there is no significant increase whatsoever. There is no relationship between hurricane activity and the surface temperature of the planet. The claim that hurricanes are getting worse and the 12-year deadline were two of four myths I heard the Heartland panel convincingly debunk. Myth number three was that government action today will save us. We have to act now. The Obama administration's model projects that the amount of global warming that would be saved for going to zero emissions tomorrow, you don't know how to do that. I got I, I, I to stop right here. Obama was a you know, global warming fanatic when he was in office. What did he do when he leave, left office? They said he spent like $15 million and bought a beachfront property in Martha's Vineyard. Now, number one, makes you wonder, where did, where did he get all that money from? Oh, I guess maybe that was because of his contracts with Netflix and a bunch of other stuff. Maybe it's not as shaky as Joe's situation. But if he really believed that the ice caps were going to melt and that Miami and all the beachfront property is going to go away. Why would he invest $15 million on beachfront property in Martha's Vineyard besides having property in Hawaii? This is how you know these people are full of crap. They want to scare you, but they ain't living like they think that it's going to happen. He should have been in the middle of the heartland or something if he really believed that stuff. That put you back in the, in the Stone Age, but let's just say we did it, uh, would be 14 hundredths of a degree Celsius. So no real effect on the climate, but... You'll sure have an impoverished dark country, won't you? Myth number four, the idea that carbon dioxide is carbon pollution that just does harm and threatens the food supply. There are places on Earth where it is just greening up like crazy. So if you're really concerned about the plants, more carbon dioxide makes them not just grow faster, but also makes them more water efficient. Carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas, but it also helps feed the world. A lot of people pretend to know about climate, pretend to have studied it, pretend to come up with these answers, and then make these proclamations to scare you so that you'll do what we want you to do. But if what the alarmists say is not true, why would the International Panel on Climate Change, the United Nations, 
go along with the exaggerations. Governments like control. Most governments want to keep control, and most want governments get bigger and bigger over time. IPCC does stand for Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Carbon dioxide becomes that molecule by which we can take control of your lives, of your efforts, and everything that goes on. Are they right? It's confusing when there are so many serious people who are so worried. I wish there were a real debate. Why won't the other side debate? They won't debate because they don't want the truth to come out, just like they didn't want the truth to come out behind the jab. Um, they want to keep us in darkness. They want to keep us scared, but they want to keep us in a situation that suits them, their um, agenda. One thing you should keep in mind, going back to the jab, this should be very helpful. When they shut down the country, when they told everybody they had to stay home and only did essential businesses, I mean, it was so drastic in their mind that they stop people from going to church. And, and generally speaking, nice people, uh, uh, God-fearing people, non-criminals want to go to church. But what they didn't shut down was the liquor stores. They didn't shut down the marijuana dispensaries. And they didn't shut down strip clubs. Why would a government keep vile stuff open or, or alcohol or intoxicating things, uh, businesses open when they're shutting down theological centers of activity. The only thing that makes sense is to me is they want to control you and an anesthetized population is a controllable population. If you can make people feel good in their control, it makes it easier for them to control you. Now, when you're going to a church and it's a Bible-believing church or someplace that is teaching you the things of God, well, then you're more than likely under the control of God. And see, the people that are under the control of God and believe what the Bible says and they study their Bible, well, they're not going to be controlled by government and they won't be easily persuaded to take experimental medicine or believe the lies of climate change when the Bible says otherwise. I went into a, a, a strong biblical argument in the last uh, video. I'm not going to get into a biblical thing today. So I would advise you to look at my argument from last week. And there's more information I could have brought, but I want to move on. And now I want to get into today's topic more, which is about electric vehicles. Uh, so hold on, let me get my information up and we're going to start examining some real serious stuff that the proponents of electric vehicles and naive consumers, consumers, uh, never consider because in life, if you want to get rid of gas, you can't just think, oh, well, this is going to be better. You're going to have trade-offs, and then there's going to be traps in the trade-offs, and unfortunately, trauma. So let's take a look. Electric cars are having a moment. Oh, my God! Electric car sales are up 66%. <laughs> 
You're going to want to jump in the back. And now my president says the future. is electric and there's no turning back. To make sure of that, some states are banning gas-powered cars. Gasoline cars are driving us toward climate chaos. We actually have to stop using fossil fuel vehicles. California's governor made that an executive order. We will eliminate the sales of internal combustion engines. Governments everywhere say they plan to do let, let, let me hesitate. Let me stop here for a second. California, in 2024, for you residents of California that do not know, California has already banned the sale of gas-powered lawnmowers, uh, weed blowers, weed whackers, any of that stuff next year. It's been banned in California. Now, I used to live in California, and I used to cut my yard all the time. And I and, and the previous house I lived in, I had hedges, uh, bushes all around the back fence. I mean, those things would grow. I, I wanted them to grow level with the fence. But those things uh, would get up to eight feet tall if I didn't cut them constantly. And there is no way I would have been able to keep up with that with battery operated apparatus. So you that live in California now, you better eat A, go buy you some more stuff or get ready. I mean, get your stuff repaired or think about buying it out of state and bringing it back because they're, they're, they're talking insanity now before we even get to the cars, which you're talking about banning in 2035 uh, as far as new cars. And I think by 2045, they're talking about banning all gas powered cars, which is nonsense. You get on you get on the freeways in Pasadena. I'm excuse me. And well, from Pasadena to LA or from Palmdale to LA as I used to go, you're not gonna make it. The rush hour traffic is it's gonna kill you and your your battery ain't gonna last. Government has a vision for a future where all our cars will be electric. But this is just magical thinking. It can't happen. In this video and the next, we point out five inconvenient facts about electric cars that politicians and green activists just don't understand. Electric cars are amazing. Physicists like Mark Mills of the Manhattan Institute do understand. He says the trend to electric is a good thing. But it won't change the future in any significant way with respect to oil use or carbon dioxide emissions. That's inconvenient fact one. More electric cars will hardly dent oil use. If all of us bought electric cars, would it make any difference? So the world has 15, 18 million electric vehicles now. It could go to 300 million, maybe 500 million vehicles. I don't think it'll get that many, but that's the aspiration. That would reduce world oil consumption by about 10%. That's not nothing but it doesn't end the use of oil for the world. Because most of it's used for what? Flying airplanes, driving buses, big trucks, the mining equipment to get the copper to build the electric cars is all oil fired. And it won't change because those trucks last 40 years. And even if all vehicles somehow switch to electricity, there'd be another problem because despite what we've heard. Further, faster, cheaper, and greener. Electric cars are not all that green. One reason is because electricity isn't all that green. I'm amazed talking to people who are all excited about their electric car and they say, and I'm not polluting. <laughs> and I say, where do you get the electricity from? And they don't know. They don't know that most of America's electricity comes from fossil fuels. 
natural gas, and coal. Just 12% comes from wind and solar. Yet auto companies tell us... Electric vehicles in general are better and more sustainable for the environment. She's a Ford engineer. She's not ignorant. Well, actually, she probably is ignorant in the literal sense of the word. She's not stupid, but ignorance speaks to what you know. You have to mine somewhere on Earth 500,000 pounds of minerals and rock to make one battery. And most of this mining isn't done in the U.S. American regulations make it nearly impossible. So it's done other places, polluting those countries. And worse, ingredients in batteries are mined in places that enslave people and use child labor. An army of children are at the heart of the mining production, wearing no shoes and in the most wretched conditions. Most Americans proudly driving electric cars don't know about this. They just don't want mining done near them. But wherever it's done, mining is a dirty business that adds lots of carbon to the air. If you're worried about carbon dioxide, the electric vehicle is emitted 10 to 20 tons of carbon dioxide before it even gets to your driveway, before you drive the first mile and plug it in the first time. Carbon dioxide produced by the mining and the manufacturing and the shipping. Exactly. Volkswagen published an honest study. They point out that the first 60,000 miles or so you're driving an electric vehicle, that electric vehicle will have emitted more carbon dioxide than if you just drove a conventional vehicle in the first place. You have to own it for a while before the electric part starts to win. You have to own it for at least 100,000 miles, and then the electric part wins by some. So it doesn't get you a zero emissions vehicle. It's reduced the emissions then by 20 or 30 percent, which is not nothing, but it's not zero. No, it's not close to zero. In our next video, more inconvenient facts about electric cars. Let's break down what we just saw. First of all, he's talking about if you got rid of all the cars, the oil consumption would only be reduced by about 10% because of the massive trucks they use. Uh, airplanes, um, buses, things that aren't going to run to get stuff done with electricity. And by the way, even though it's not talked about in this um, video, we need oil to make all kinds of stuff, to make plastic, stuff to make uh, like this microphone and, and different things. I, I, I can get a ton of lists of stuff that we're going to need oil to manufacture, but getting back to where we are. Then the idea that a, a car, electric vehicle is green. You know, the naive person has this weird idea that, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna plug it in, I'm gonna charge it, and it's gonna be green. I mean, I'm not gonna make anything, you know, no gas, no, no carbon uh, dioxide in the atmosphere. And they never think for one moment, where does the electricity come from? In their mind, oh, well, they're just getting it out the wall. Well, electricity doesn't grow on trees. That's stuff that's in your plug. And by the way, people who have chargers at home, I think they spend somewhere between five to $15,000 to have different apparatus 
uh, installed in their home so they can charge their electric vehicle at home. But nevertheless, uh, you the char the electric electricity from the power plants they have to be fueled to make electricity. And like he said, the majority of electricity is made with oil, with gas, oil, and sometimes uh, coal. You know, some, there's a few left with nuclear, but they're phasing it out, and there's some with hydro, which is water. But think about it. We have to create energy using a fossil fuel to put energy in the electrical system so you can plug this thing into your car battery to make the energy to make your car run. In other words, we're using fossil fuel to make electricity to put in your car so you can drive down the street talking about you have an electric vehicle and you're not polluting nothing. But you, you, you're still using fossil fuel. You're just not using it directly. And the trade-off, one of the trade-offs is you're getting less uh, velocity or less energy from the fossil fuel that you're using to make electricity to put in your car than if you were to put it in there directly. I mean, it's a joke. Here's another thing. This is really fantastic one of these green people or the, the green mindset is you know with using the fossil fuels and stuff and we need to save the earth well in order to make electric cars we have to mine for it let me show you all mine stripping the earth whoops I, I didn't even want to show you that one yet I'll get to that one in a minute Look at this mine. Here's a mine where there, <laughs> isn't that pretty? That's a man-made uh, mine where they're scraping stuff, trying to get material to make an electric car or a battery. And that video, that picture in there is one of these big giant machines that were ain't gonna run off electricity in order to help you mine uh, for lithium and cobalt and whatever else you need for the car. But one of the materials, cobalt, it comes from Africa. The majority of it. In the Congo, they say like 70% of the cobalt come from the Congo. And you know what they use to mine for the cobalt in the Congo? They use kids. Little kids. They use slave labor, in fact. You know, I love my black democratic liberal friends. You know, anything that 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 the white liberals will say to remind them of American slavery will trigger them, you know, like Pavlo's dog looking for a bone or hearing that bell ring. Anything. And they and and, and the and the liberals have triggered them all the time. All the time they do it. They constantly remind them, and then they got them believing that, well, the Republicans were racist, and, and, and just like Biden said, they're going to put you back in chains when the Republicans never had folks in chains in the first place, when it was the Democrats. But they're always about reminding 
black folks about slavery. Yet, they want us to have electric vehicles. And slave labor is one of the major, major uh, benefits, uh, well, I should say benefits to these people, because they use slave labor to get this cobalt. They use these kids living in, in squalor, beyond squalor, you know, half naked. Who knows? There's no breathing apparatus. They're, they're, they're barefooted. I mean, they're just looking like crap. And they're working in the filthiest conditions to get the, the mine for this stuff. Look at this. I mean, this is beyond the pale. Now, see, these liberals, they don't see stuff like this. They don't show stuff like this. They don't show black liberal stuff like this on the internet or on TV and in shows when they're trying to tell them to buy an electric car, like they got forty or $60,000 to buy an electric car or another eleven dollars or $15,000 to replace the battery. They don't tell you that. They don't tell you any of that stuff. But this is the kind of people they use. And, and liberals get upset when you mention slavery, but they don't recognize this slavery that's going on right now. They don't recognize it. They don't want to think about it. They don't look at it. They don't care about it. And they want to keep it further from their thinking because that would mess up the, the ideology that they have fixed in their brain that Democrats and liberals care about black people and that Republicans and conservatives are evil and xenophobic. Well, these folks are xenophobic. They're using slave labor and they're trying to take away from gas-powered vehicles that we could use right now. And by the way, did you know, and he, he alluded to this, but I'm going to break it down a bit more, that the average electric vehicle, the average electric vehicle has a battery that is 1,000 pounds. That's what it needs, a 1,000-pound battery. Do you know how much mining is required to make just one 1,000-pound 1, battery? The How much earth they need to move? They need to move 500,000 pounds of earth to get the material to make one battery. And they're talking about making... Uh, Americans just all completely battery. It, it, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, think about it for 1 million batteries, 1 million, 1,000 pound batteries. It would take 500 billion pounds of earth excavation. And you talking about saving the planet instead of just drilling down there and getting the resources, they got to make stuff like we saw uh, in this first picture, you got to sit over there and scrape the land half to death. Yeah. Yeah, these are the people that claim that they care about us. These are the people that are constantly saying how much they love and care about black people. Not that a bunch of black folks in the hood can buy an electric car or even if they bought a used one. Oh, the battery dies. Well, that's $10,000. 
and by the way, if they had the ability to make all their cars electric, they'd have the ability to shut all the cars down. If they didn't think you should drive this week, oh, Mr. Tyler, you can't drive your car because you put in too many miles last week. You know, we, we, you know, they have that, you know, that's off they make these smart cities. <coughs> They're talking about, there was a fellow that was a, a smart city recently that he had a delivery brought to his house. I don't know if it was Amazon, UPS, FedEx or whatever. And the driver thought the person said something racist or, or, or whatever through his phone, you know, the, the little dork thing, but the guy was just giving him a normal greeting. So they shut down this person's internals in his house. He couldn't use appliances because they thought that he was being mean. Do you want that for your life? Do you think that's a normal way Americans should live? We shouldn't allow them to shut down anything we have. That's why I'm also against people uh, not recognizing the fact that we should use as much cash as possible. I mean, dollar bills, not the ATM, uh, not online. And I'm not saying don't use the ATM, don't use online or don't use cards, but we need to use cash. Or we'll end up like these uh, folks in China with the social credits. And well, Mr. Tali, uh, you said some stuff that you shouldn't say. So, you know what? We're not going to let you buy anything for a week. You got to live off whatever you got. And maybe next week, if you're a good boy, we'll let you buy some food. Ushering in the beast, 666 with this kind of mentality. And so when I get these liberals and they sit over here and tell me all this stuff about how much they care for people, I wonder how much they care for this woman. This woman that's going to put this baby in a box so she can mine. I mean, I don't even see a diaper bag or, or, or a milk bag. Maybe she has to stop and breastfeed this child. You, know, you got all that mine dust and stuff um, that's going into her. From, from working in it anyway, and then the baby got to breathe that stuff, and Lord knows what her milk would be like. But all this stuff, this slave labor, this kind of stuff, this is one of the trade-offs. This is one of the traps of those people that are enslaved and the trauma they're going through while they're trying to make you, the American public, think you're doing a good thing by going green this is crazy this is nuts let's look at another video uh real quick on part two on john stossel's report on electric cars okay You think every car should be electric? Well, here are some inconvenient facts you probably don't know. This is part two of our series on electric cars. We keep hearing... The future of the auto industry is electric, electric, and battery technology. Battery technology. That's key because we need to store the electric power. 
but storing large amounts of energy in batteries has a problem. Batteries are really lousy at storing energy. They leak energy constantly. They leak and they don't hold a lot. Physicist Mark Mills says electric cars are great, but... Oil begins with a huge advantage over the chemicals that are in a battery. Oil has about 5,000% more energy in it per pound. And we see this in electric cars. Electric cars' battery weighs 1,000 pounds. It's what the battery weighs. It's replacing about 80 pounds of gasoline. All right, you're talking today, but the batteries are gonna get smaller and better. They've gotten way more powerful, long-lasting, and affordable. All of this is just a prologue to what the next batteries are going to do. I can't wait. Will they be something like the one Iron Man has? Yeah, I can fly. Iron Man with the, uh, the power pack that he puts in his chest or the Terminator. Could happen. Things improve. Engineers are really good at making things better, but they can't make them better than the laws of physics permit. That will never happen in any place except comic books. That's inconvenient fact four. Miracle batteries, powerful enough to replace fossil fuels, are a fantasy. Because nature is not nice to humans, we store energy for when it's going to be really cold or really hot. The people who imagine an energy transition would want to build windmills and solar panels and store all that energy in batteries. But you do the arithmetic and you find out you need to build about $100 trillion worth of batteries to store the same amount of energy that Europe has in storage now for this winter. And it would take the world's battery factories about 400 years to manufacture that many batteries. 400 years? Politicians don't mention that. That leads to another problem the politicians don't mention. They say every car will be electric. California will require all new cars sold to be zero emission vehicles. If that were somehow to happen. That means a lot more electric vehicles drawing power from the grid. But the grid is already limited. So limited that last summer, California's governor told people, don't use your electric car asking residents to avoid charging their EVs in order to conserve energy. Roughly speaking, you have to uh, <coughs> double your electric grid to move the energy out of gasoline into the electric sector. No one is planning to double the electric grid in California, so there'll be rationing. Rationing. When there isn't enough electricity, cities will simply turn some of the power off. That's inconvenient fact five. We just don't have enough electricity for all electric cars. And We'll have even less of it if we try to get all our electricity from renewable energy like wind and solar. Our president says... We're going to achieve a carbon pollution-free electric sector by the year 2035. And all of the media believe it. It's amazing that all these smart people and supposed leaders say these things. It's upsetting. It really has been an extraordinary accomplishment of uh, propaganda, and there's no other word for it. Gas is going to take everything we know and love. Wind and solar, renewable versus oil and gas. It's it's almost infantile. It's really it, it's distressing because it's so silly. Because even if engineers invent much better wind turbines and solar panels and power lines and batteries, you're still drilling things, you're still digging up stuff, you're still building machines that wear out. We're still driving big trucks, whether you drill a gas well or build a wind turbine. It's, it's all the same, really. It's just big machines to make lots of energy for humanity. It's not magical transformation. In many respects, the parts that aren't different are worse, unfortunately. The politicians are making us pay more 
to do things that hurt the environment. Europe going back to coal. Burning coal in homes and open stoves because they're so afraid they're going to freeze this winter. People fearful of winter shortages wait for days and nights to stock up on heating fuel. Lines going for miles in Poland. These are people picking up coal to take home to be sure they won't freeze this winter. This is crazy. So what we've done now is had our energy systems designed by bureaucrats instead of by engineers. And what we're getting is worse energy, more expensive energy, and higher environmental impacts. That's what we're doing. As for electric cars, I like them. Maybe I'll buy one. But I won't pretend it'll make me some kind of environmental hero. There'll be lots more electric cars in the future, and there should be, because that'll reduce demand for oil, which is a good thing. But when you do the math, the arithmetic on the scales of demand to operate a society with billions of people, with five or six billion people who are, live in poverty, we can't imagine. When you want to give them a little bit of what we have, the energy demands are off the charts big. We're going to need everything. Everything includes fossil fuels. If people only thought and think about stuff, they'd understand that you know God gave us the resources to use, to take care of us, to make our life easier, to make it better. There's another problem with electric cars that people very rarely talk about. And that's the potential danger. The potential danger of them suckers catching on fire. You know, uh, it's amazing. Like I said before, if you buy an electric car, you know, you might have to charge it between, <laughs> depending on the, the charger, maybe between 30 to 10 hours. So many people are buying these chargers uh, situations, these things that cost them 10, $15,000 built into their electrical grid in their home so they can charge their car overnight. But if that car catches on fire, your house is gone. You know, and it's not that they catch on fire a lot, but if they catch on fire, you, you, you know, they're basically tell, excuse me, telling people they need to uh, park their car away from the house. I would advise folks that if you were to buy an electric car, don't park that thing in the garage. I'd park it in the driveway closest to the street or on the street. Take a look at this and be forewarned. Electric vehicles are more common than ever before. Not only do they create almost no emissions at all, but in many cases, they perform way better than gas vehicles. In fact, many even believe EVs might just be safer than gas vehicles overall. But whenever you look at EV news, one type of news story will be constant. Tesla catches fire, or any other EV catches fire. The problem has gotten so bad that it's ruining people's perception of electric vehicles. So why is that happening? In this video, we'll be answering that and a few more safety concerns regarding electric cars. So without any further ado, let's dive in. Before we talk about why EVs are catching fire, let's talk about why it's such a controversial subject. For years, we heard the likes of Tesla telling us about all of the different safety features that their EVs have in comparison 
comparison to conventional cars. In all honesty, Tesla sorta tried to make it seem like their cars were virtually indestructible. They had come up with all of these safety gimmicks like object detection, pedestrian detection, auto stops, suspension adjustments, and stuff like that. Back when Teslas weren't really that common on the road, people really started to believe that EVs might just be unbreakable or safer than usual cars. Naturally, this perception carried on to other EVs as well. But soon enough, EVs started to become more and more popular on the roads, and people started to see some of the problems that these cars can have. EVs are no different from any other consumer product, so it was only natural. But only this time, EVs had such a reputation of being safe that people were outright shocked at every time there was a problem. So what happened? Well, a lot of EVs outright caught fire. That's about the last thing you'd want to happen to a car, and considering there's no fuel in electric cars, it was even more shocking that they'd catch fire. So now, let's get to the bottom of why EVs catch fire and whether it's something that the average consumer should worry about. First of all, it's important to understand that you don't need fuel to start a fire. Fires can occur due to all sorts of reasons. The most common reasons why EVs in particular catch fire is mainly due to battery issues. Once batteries reach a certain temperature, they will catch fire like any other fuel source. There are a lot of reasons why a battery might heat up. It could be because of the external temperature, a hot car being left to bake under the sun, or because of an excessive overload. But of course, most EV manufacturers have come up with precautions to deal with these issues. Most modern car batteries will automatically shut off when their internal temperature reaches around 45 to 55 degrees Celsius. This is well below the maximum temperature that these batteries can normally function at, which is around 65 to 75 degrees Celsius. So why do they still catch fire? Well, this is usually due to short circuits that lead to uncontrolled currents. These uncontrolled currents can lead to batteries heating themselves up to over 100 degrees, if not significantly more than that. Even then, there is only a marginal chance that the battery will catch on fire. But if it does, it can be deadly. The vast majority of EV fires are caused by short circuits. Now, what actually causes these short circuits? It could come down to just bad designs. This is why EV fires are a lot more common among Chinese companies and small EV manufacturers than they are with Tesla. But even if you have a Tesla, short circuits can happen. This can usually come down to your charging source. Even if you have the best design in the world, a faulty charger can kill your internal wiring. After all, you wouldn't connect your fridge or your PS5 to an unstable power source, right? The same thing happens with cars. The chances of a short circuit can also greatly increase if you immediately charge a depleted lithium-ion battery before it has a chance to cool down. The battery takes 10 to 20 minutes to cool down. This isn't a problem that we just see with cars. In fact, this is surprisingly common with phones as well. After all, who can forget Samsung's infamous Galaxy Note 7 debacle? Just like how that phone was recalled in the millions, similar things have happened to EVs because of fires. The Chevy Bolt is one of the world's best-selling electric cars. By 2020, it had sold over 100,000 units, but that was also the year that it went through its biggest scandal to date. A lot of Chevy Bolts started to spontaneously catch on fire. The first few incidents were largely ignored, but after that, the problem just kept getting worse and worse. Eventually, GM acknowledged the problem and advised all Bolt owners to park their 
their cars 50 feet away from other vehicles. They specifically said that the car can spontaneously catch on fire. That year, Chevy announced that they would recall around 60,000 bolts that were produced from 2017 to 2019, while claiming that future models didn't have this problem. However, after more than a few fire incidents, some of which caused injuries, GM was forced to recall all 142,000 Chevy bolts in 2021. The estimated damages that GM has to face because of this is estimated to be at around $1.8 billion. GM will replace all of the batteries with new LG Chem batteries, which are notably safer. GM is not the only company that has faced backlash due to EV fires either. Tesla was probably the first EV company to face such problems. Model S fire incidents can date back to around 2013, when two separate car accidents resulted in both Model S catching fire. There's also the problem of EV fires being much more dangerous than regular fuel fires. For example, if a gas vehicle catches fire, a fire extinguisher would be enough to put it out. In fact, a lot of people actually travel with fire extinguishers wherever they go, especially if they're traveling long distances. But it's important to note that not all fuel burns the exact same way. Lithium-ion fires are particularly strong. In many cases, a single portable fire extinguisher would not be enough to put it out. They are some of the most difficult fires to extinguish. And because of this, many of the top EV manufacturers, including Tesla, GM, and Nissan, have had to release guides for firefighters on how they can handle lithium fires. If you wanted an idea of just how difficult these fires are to extinguish? Just take a look at this story. In 2022, a Tesla Model S was left sitting in a junkyard after it just stopped working. Three weeks after arriving at the junkyard, its battery caught fire out of nowhere. The workers described it as a spontaneous explosion. Thankfully, firefighters were able to make it to the scene on time, but it took over 30,000 gallons of water to put out the fire. In comparison, the average fire truck can carry anywhere from 500 to 750 gallons of water inside them. The high-end fire trucks that can cost up to $1 million carry up to 1,500 gallons. You would need 20 of the best fire trucks in the world, or around 40 regular fire trucks, to put out the fire caused by a single Model S. This is by far the most terrifying thing about these fires. It's not the frequency of the fires, but rather the intensity of them. In fact, EVs are a lot less likely to catch on fire. If you hop into an EV right now, there is a 0.3% chance it's going to catch on fire. With gas vehicles, those odds are around 1.05%. This hypothetically makes EVs a lot safer than gas vehicles. But here's the thing. With gas vehicles, you need one or maybe two fire extinguishers to put out the fire. With EVs, you need an entire firefighter army to put it out. Because of the increasing pressures from regulatory authorities on Tesla, the company announced in December of 2021 that it would be recalling almost half a million Model 3 and Model S units from customers to address these issues. Additionally, it also recalled over 200,000 cars from China for the same issues. But overall, are these fires going to be the downfall of EVs? That's highly unlikely. As you can see, EV sales are increasing year after year, despite the general downward trend of the automobile industry over the past few years. With time, many of the spontaneous fire problems are going to be addressed by the top companies, but they need to be transparent about these problems first and actually address them. They cannot downplay these incidents because even though statistically they might not be likely to catch fire, the dangers of these fires are much greater. It'll be interesting to see what sort of new safety features that EV makers will come up with in the future. But until then, we'll just have to hope that our cars don't spontaneously combust the moment we step into them. And that's a wrap for this video. Do you think EVs are safe?
Wow. So they say they're less likely to catch on fire, but if one of those jokers catch on fire, it's going to burn. And a fire truck won't put it out. A fire extinguisher won't put it out. Um, I read where there was a fire um, on one of these cars, and, and the fire department dug a pit put the car in the pit and filled it up with water to get the fire out. And they're, all, and they're also talk about the fact that um, they have to w worry about residual, not necessarily that car, but they have to worry about residual electricity uh, so the firefighters don't risk getting electrocuted. These are some of the trade-offs, you know, and the trauma, you know, with the EVs. So, uh, the the idea, I mean, if, if a person wants an electric car, well, you know, that's that's fine. That's the prerogative. But and also <clears throat> just to let you know that the people that think, well, I'm getting a zero emission car between the manufacturing of the car, between the, the traveling, what that means, moving it, you know, with boats or trucks or whatever. They say it's going to take at least 60,000 miles, maybe up to 100,000 miles of driving that electrical vehicle before you're going to offset to the zero emissions. Like you think that when you're going to get in there, I'm not making any smog or anything or any carbon dioxide, but the carbon dioxide that was made to make that thing, it's going to take you about 100,000 miles of driving it just to offset it. And then you can start thinking, well, maybe I'm driving, I'm, I'm clean now. So this idea that zero emissions, this idea that you're helping the climate by going electric, you know, it, it's really nonsense. And people need to consider these things when they're, when they're going with this climate hysteria. It's easier, it's cleaner, it's cheaper just to buy a gas-operated vehicle use the resources God gave us. I mean, we're talking about 80 pounds worth of gasoline versus a thousand pound battery. And the, what does it say that the, the gasoline has 5,000% uh, more power per pound than the battery. I mean, as easier resource, you know, you could charge, you know, you fill up your gas tank in five to 10 minutes versus sitting around for a couple of hours for a speed charge or all day or all night on a slow charge. And like I said before, you're using fossil fuels to, to generate the electricity to charge your vehicle so that you don't have to use fossil fuels to use because they want you to think that uh, fossil fuels are bad. You know, the, the, the politicians that are making up these laws and the nonsense in California, which will never happen because it will just shut down the whole state. You know, some new governor or somebody's going to come in there and say, forget it. They may not survive next year banning uh, gas lawnmowers and, 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 and blowers and all that stuff. It, 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 it's, it's insanity. But it's time for people to wake up and understand man can't control the climate. God gave us the resources and he gave us a mind, a brain. And we should use that mind and that brain and our, our understanding to make the best use of the resources he gave us. It's silly and ridiculous and stupid to use fossil fuels to generate electricity 
to to drive our to 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 put it in a car run by battery that's not going to even go as far as it would if you use the fossil fuels and just put it straight in the car it makes no sense people need to wake up this is sam tolly and i'm out <laughs>